Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Well, hey ladies, Lori Wilbert joins me today to talk about the ministry of touch. And I know this may be a foreign concept in light of everything going on with COVID-19, but bear with me. Lori's discussion on the importance of touch and its complexities tackle a far too often neglected topic. So sit back, grab something refreshing, and let's get to it. Hey, Lori, welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Emma. Yes, you've been talked up to me so much, and so I'm so excited to have you, especially coming off of you launching a book, book which is so exciting. Mm. It's it's exciting and a lot of other things, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, even tell us a little bit about like what it is like, you know, give us the honest the honest truth about what it's like post launching a book and like what you have seen from it. Well, I th- it probably looks different for everyone. I think it depends on your personality. It depends on the content of the book. I think that um, for me, it's kind of looked like um, I did my work and I want to go into hibernation. Uh, that's just my personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a little bit on just, you know, talk overload and, and vulnerability hangover and all those things. So <laughs> I think it looks different for everyone, though. I think some people get really amped up by the process of releasing a book. And um, I also think it's it's a little bit hard to release a book on touch right in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Oh my gosh, yes. um, Just like needing to just consider those things and talk about those things and and take a humble position. I'm not the wisest person in the world when it comes to how we should handle touch during a pandemic. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's so true. I'm sure that's not even something that was on your radar, you know, coming no. when you were writing the book. And then, of course, it's like, just as it was released, what, a month ago, right? Yeah, it was a month ago. As of now in March, right? And and this has just all of a sudden become a thing. So has it, has it, have you actually seen that it has um, been a big deal as far as like, um, sales with your book or is it just it's just hard to think about okay well the whole subject of my book is touch and (laughs) and we're not supposed to touch anyone or be around anyone (laughs) I think I mean I honestly I don't know how it's affecting sales and I'm not I'm trying to not get my head in that space um as much Mm -hmm. as possible um I find that to be yeah I I think that can be a really unhealthy habit for a writer or anyone Mm -hmm. who's producing anything to just like Mm -hmm be looking at numbers and sales and reviews and all those kinds of things. I don't want to be ignorant of them, but I want to be mm-hmm. really careful about how much attention I'm paying to them. And then I, when it comes to like whether the message is relevant or not, I think the message is hopefully still relevant. Um, right. We're in the middle of a pandemic for the first time, you know, in a in hundred years. So I think it just, um, we all know there is another side to this. Like we are going to come out on the other side, many of us will, and uh, and these principles hopefully will still remain even after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so true. I just, 
I want to applaud you because it is such a great book. And um, I just think it's something that is just not talked about a lot. Um, Cause probably it's just uncomfortable for people to go there. So, um, but you did such a great job of just being able to explain it in a way that really focuses on the gospel. And so will you just tell my listeners what Handle with Care is about and kind of what led you to write it? Yeah. So um, for your listeners, Handle with Care is the title of uh, my book, but it's also the title of many other books. So be careful when you're searching (laughs) to search along with my name. Um, But yeah, it's about, I kind of, my main thesis is that Jesus redeems touch um, Mm. and he is still redeeming touch in our lives. Um, but I think even more deeply than that, it's, it's a a kind of a theology on the body, you know, for 2020, like, how Mm -hmm. do we think about these things, um, in a very holistic way, I think in light of me to church, to, um, abuse things that are happening, we're just really, I think, woefully unprepared to handle abuse or to talk about abuse, but also like woefully unprepared to talk about, uh, a healthy, healthy expressions of touch. Yeah. And so my aim was just to go through the gospels and talk about how Jesus interacted with humans as a body. And so that's the premise of handle with care books kind of take on minds of their own as you're doing them. And Mm -hmm. that's why I say it is kind of like it, it, you know, I have a main thesis, but also it is a book about the body and the goodness Mm -hmm. of bodies and the necessity to um, think about our bodies and to think about them in positive ways instead of just negative ways, which I think in the church we can Mm. err on that side. So, yeah. Right. And I'm sure you had to kind of, you know, think about some of those, um, audiences that maybe have Mm -hmm. had bad experiences with touch. Um, but you know, being able to focus on, on what is positive about it, you know, is, you know, obviously something that we are missing in our world. And so, um, what do you think, you know, what are, what were some of those holdups like in writing it, um, where you were like, Oh, I don't know how this is going to set with people. Um, but, but why was it important? I mean, where weren't the holdups? I think is a better question. <laughs> so we have so many just like rules around touch. I mean, you know, I'm only going to side hug people or I'm not going to hug people of the opposite Mm. gender or um, hugs are awkward or it's, you know, how do I shake someone's hand? What's the appropriate, you know, hardness or softness with which to Mm. shake someone's hand. But Mm. then you've got just the complication of everyone's stories. And that's something I talk a lot about in the book is the fact that we each have a story and, um, and that's what makes touch so complicated apart from our rules and the sort of legalistic things that we do, um, we don't know what everyone's story is. Like, I don't know what your story is, Emma. And so when I come at you, I'm bringing my story with me and meeting your story and that's messy. And, Mm -hmm. and so we don't know, we don't understand fully. And so I I think the aim in the book really was to just sort of teach us to think about these things. So I don't, I'm Mm -hmm. very careful to not give any, prescriptive, do this, don't do this. This is how you should hug. This isn't how you should hug. Um, Because I don't think that that's the most important question. I think that um, as image bearers, as the family of God, 
Um, we need to be thinking about these things far more than we are. And we need to be thinking far more than we act in some ways. Mm. Um, I think some of their major holdups are the fact that um, abuse is so complicated. And I mean, it's always a sin, but it's so just the ways that it affects people, the varying levels of healing that they've experienced or not experienced. Those, those things really affect how we touch or don't touch. And we just need to be more thoughtful about these things. Mm, So true. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, just the fact that God is not a God that's like, do this, don't do this, Mm. you know? And so I appreciate the fact that you took it from a standpoint of let's like talk about it from the bigger picture. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly how to, or not to, um, but hopefully instead people can just see the big picture and, and let their hearts be transformed because that's how God works. It's not like, Oh, do this, don't do this. You know, where there are some like boundaries he sets up for us. It's like, ultimately because we know who God is and the person that he is or the person that Jesus was like that transforms us. Right. And so it's more Mm -hmm. of like a, "Hmm, let's let God transform your heart in this. Mm -hmm. And I think too, I mean, God didn't remove all of that. You know, I'm in the middle of my Bible reading right now. I'm reading through, you know, I'm at the, I'm I'm reading chronologically. So, mm-hmm. you know, Numbers and Leviticus and all that right now. And there's so oh many do nots, do nots. And I, I think the thing that's interesting to me is that Jesus says he came to fulfill the law. And that doesn't mean he did away with every do not. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some do nots that, that still stand today. Um, but I think one of the things that Jesus, and Paul, and we see this through the New Testament, is there were still good boundaries around things. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can just take the negative side of things. For instance, I mean, this is just an example, but uh, in Ephesians, Paul is saying to husbands to love and care for their wives as they love and nourish and care for their own bodies. And I think we can sort of err on the side of husbands love your wives. And we can totally overlook the fact that Paul also says like, do this as you're doing it for your own body. And, um, and, and I think, I hope we're seeing sort of a turn in this in the world today, but just the importance of caring for our own bodies and how that enables us to care for other bodies. So that's Mm. not, that isn't so much a do not, but it is definitely, there's an orderly way, um, to being able to truly care for someone. And I don't know that a husband, a husband can truly, care for his wife's body if he isn't truly caring for his own. And I mean that not just, mm-hmm. you know, going and working out and, you know, working off his testosterone or whatever, <laughs> but also like, is he caring for the story that his body has lived? Is he nourishing and caring for his heart? Is he nourishing and caring for his mind? Um, is he becoming a fully formed human so that he can fully care for his wife's body? So, and there's, I think there's all through the New Testament, we're seeing examples of um of ways that that god still wants us to walk within the pleasant boundaries that he set mm-hmm. for us uh, in order to lead to human flourishing yeah and what what are some examples of those um as far as you know some commands he still has for us and then also just jesus and the the example he set for us in that way yeah, I think I mean one one that always sticks out to me is when he says love your neighbor as yourself and I think we 
again, we err on the love your neighbor part and we forget that he's saying like, as, Mm. as you love yourself. Yeah. So that would be another space where it's like, oh, I cannot fully care for my neighbor unless I have like cared for myself. Um, and not in a selfish, um, indulgent kind of way, but like my body matters to God just as much as my neighbor's body matters to God. Mm. And God's not tearing our bodies. You know, he's not placing more emphasis on other bodies than he is on our own bodies. And so we need to care for those things. Think about when Jesus talks about fasting, he says, um, you know, they're, you know, fast from something, but at the same time, don't forget to wash your face and shampoo your hair. So he's saying, you know, wish, restrain from this and do this and it's to mm. care for our bodies. And that would be another example. Um, I think it's all through the new Testament. If we're looking for it, it's all through the new Testament mm-hmm. um, dichotomies that are right next to each other. Um, and a lot of them have, have so much to do with the body. I mean, the the fact that Paul talks about the body so much, I just never realized it until I mm. began to read this book or write this book. Um, and then I think the example that Jesus sets for us in this is, and Jesus doesn't just, I want to be careful to say that Jesus isn't just about um, healing the body. He, We know that he is about healing the the fracture between us and um, and God. He's about healing our wholeness, our whole mm. person um, and bringing us in union to Christ. But this was a book about touch and so, and the body. And so that was kind of where I focused my writing on in this. Um, yeah. But, but there are so few examples where Jesus isn't touching or where mm-hmm. someone in Jesus in the narratives. Um, and so I think if you see, if you look, if you see that you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so many examples in the gospels of Jesus healing through touch and you're right. It's easy almost, I feel like to forget, um, just in general, he's about healing of the whole person versus Mm -hmm. just, you know, he's more about the heart than anything else. If you see, you know, you can see that throughout the Bible. Um, so what would you say is maybe just encouragement for, you know, because most of my listeners are, uh, girls in their twenties. Um, so what encouragement would you have for us and just learning how to navigate, um, and minister to others through touch? Yeah, this is, this is a hard question because again, I don't, I think one of the things I say in the book is that there are, you know, a hundred billion stories that have been lived throughout all of history and each of those stories is different. And so um, every young woman's story is going to be different, but I, I think mm-hmm. I, I would say this. I think that um, because we live in a world that's very sort of glut, glutted with information right now and um and encouragement to live a certain way or do certain things, we can oftentimes begin to serve and minister to others before having really let the Lord heal um, Mm. broken that we've walked through. And so I think my encouragement is that uh, your listeners would, and all, all people, is that we would really truly offer our wounds to Christ for full healing. Um, and that's a really vulnerable place to be. 
Um, many of us, we can function fine um, in the world. I know I can function fine in the world without letting myself go through the the fullness of what healing might mean. But mm-hmm. I'm I do it. Um, I do it in a in a halfway way. I know mm-hmm. I can better um, if I would let myself be healed all the way, and that is that's really vulnerable to do, and that's really hard to do, and it takes a lot of time to do. It's much easier to sort of show up at um, events and serve. It's much easier to um, apply, you know, Bible study to our minds. It's much easier to pour out our hearts to other people. I think it's a lot harder to get alone with Jesus and, um, or with a therapist or counselor or someone who can help us walk through um, maybe harmful instances of touch that we've experienced. Um, and I know that's scary. I know that's really scary for a lot of us. It's scary for me. And um, it almost feels like going backwards in some ways. Like, I don't want to go back to that space, mm-hmm. but I think it can be really, you know, one in four women has experienced abuse. And that is a lot of, that's a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we need to have spaces where, where those, those women can be getting the healing that they need. But I think most of us, you know, the other three out of four of us have experienced other forms of, of inappropriate touch or um, maybe inappropriate self-touch or inappropriate touch from others that we haven't fully found healing mm. in the midst of. Um, we haven't seen what God is trying to teach us by revealing our sin to us and our brokenness or our abuse to us. Mm. Um, he wants to heal us. He wants to heal us all the way through. He doesn't want to heal us halfway. And yeah. So he uses as as strange as it sounds, he uses our sin to show us the spaces and the sin against us to show us the spaces that he wants to heal mm-hmm. in all of our lives. So I think that's what I would say. Yeah, so true. And um, if you're willing, I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit of your story and just um, your journey of healing. Um, you know, what did, what did healing look like for you? Um, and how did God help you with that? Hmm. I think the the more appropriate question is what does healing look like for you? Because mm-hmm. I think I never want to communicate that I am, you know, healed or fixed. And I think in a lot of ways, writing this book revealed just how unhealed I think I am. Mm. Um, it really made me come face to face with some spaces that I hadn't let the Lord really um, touch for yeah. lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I share my story pretty um, kind of in a chapter way throughout the book. Uh, and then one chapter that's based on my story, but grew up in a large family, all brothers, except for me, I have seven <laughs> brothers. And so it was very, very, it was just kind of a very tactile, rambunctious home. And that always made me very uncomfortable. I'm a, I'm a, I tend to be a very reserved, um, peaceful sort of person. And so mm-hmm. that, that was just very, very difficult for me to navigate. Um, experienced sexual abuse at a very young age um, that I just, I for years thought was my own fault. And um, and still even have to, to, to remind myself that that wasn't my fault. 
Um, the Lord has had to do a tremendous amount of healing there. Um, and then just had a lot of confusion, I think in my twenties or well, my teens, just around purity culture and everything that was happening in the nineties at that point, you know, we've got books mm-hmm. like I kiss dating goodbye and just many other books yeah. written that kind of shaped the, the parody culture at that point. So just a lot of confusion. I, I, when I was in middle school had a very physically, uh, I don't even want to call it intimate. It was physically inappropriate relationship with my middle school boyfriend, um, mm. f- went far past what, what, a 13 year old should be doing with their body. Um, and then f- going right into pur- purity culture, which was just, you know, don't touch anyone or anything or, you know, almost become asexual in some ways. Mm. And then going through my twenties, I think just, um, you know, had boyfriends in my twenties and just kind of couldn't, couldn't find a space where, um, where there was like a real honoring way. It was either no touch or just total touch and mm-hmm. not, just not exercising, um, not walking in the gift of purity that God gives us and then got engaged in my early thirties. And again, just really struggled. And, but that, I think that was the first relationship where I was able to see like, Oh, you can have touch within a relationship. That's, that's godly and pure. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I lived with a bunch of women throughout my 20s and 30s. And, you know, touch was complicated in those spaces as well. I think for some of us, it felt really normal and safe. And other young women, it felt very unsafe. And um, and I just didn't have the wisdom or the maturity to see that in a way that I, I see it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I had, you know, I wish I could go back and change that. But it happened and it taught me and I hope that it has taught them and yeah. And then got married when I was 34 and I felt really confused about touch. Um, at that point, my husband is not a touchy person and I, I am. And so (laughs) that felt really confusing. Mm -hmm. I think I also felt really confused by the ways that pastors and ministers, male ministers would not touch or like treat my body like it was something that was dangerous or um, a threat to their ministry. And I think that was really confusing for me because I just felt like, aren't we supposed to be brothers and sisters and like fellow image bearers? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I primarily a sexual being more than I am just a image bearer of God? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think all of that just led to a lot of confusion for me and the Lord I think the Lord like really one of the most helpful things for me. And I, I say in the, the acknowledgements to the book that I, I don't know that I could have written this book um, without my husband, because I think being in a, in a marriage in a covenant relationship with someone where you're having to navigate this in a way that I've never had to navigate it before my love for touch his this dis, almost disgust of it. Mm. Um, and he's grown a lot and I've also grown a lot since then, but it was, I mean, it really was almost an identity crisis for me where I had to really consider like, do I see my husband as an image bearer with full, uh, rights and, um, the fullness of who God made him to be apart from my body 
or do I mainly view him as a husband? Because I think in the church, we, we tend to think of men and women, singles and marrieds, primarily in terms of like, I mean, this is sad. And I think most of us do it subconsciously, but we do it primarily in terms of like, are you single? Or are you married? Like, what's your sexual status? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after marriage, it's sort of like husbands and wives. So how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. And I just think, man, I, I had to back up and say like, before I'm a single, before I'm a married, before I'm a wife, before I'm any of those things, I'm an image bearer of God. Mm-hmm. I am a sister to in the family of God and a daughter in the family of God. And to back up in that way and just to look at uh, my marriage in that way, it just put a whole new light on our relationship for me and for him. Um, and then it began to like infiltrate all my relationships. Mm. And and that's what made me want to write about this. Yeah. I appreciate you just sharing your story and, um, and how God has used it even, you know, now to be able to write a book and, um, and how cool it is, you know, obviously like, he had designed for you to have your husband and to navigate those things and and to continue to bring up ways for healing for you and just areas that he's continuing to chisel and I know he does that for all of us and it can be hard because we we so badly just like you know because our culture is to just like find a quick fix to everything and so having to realize that, uh, especially for, you know, traumatic things or just, you know, things that we really need healing from take a long time, unfortunately. Um, but you know, can find a lot of just encouragement in your story and how God has continued to bring healing and, um, that it's all been worth it. So, uh, jumping to the last couple of questions, uh, these are ones that I ask every guest. And so the first one is what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? Hmm. I should have had an answer prepared to this. Um, I, okay. I, yeah, I think that, um, I think I wish that I, I knew that God's love was, you know, we can sort of err on this, like, you know, God loves you, or I know that I'm loved by God. But I think that what I wish I'd known was that God's love means that he, he wants to utterly transform us. Um, that he is not, he doesn't love like the clothing we cover ourselves with. He doesn't love the fig leaves that we cover ourselves with. He's not really interested in the, you know, the 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 definitions that we kind of define ourselves by that's not that's not yeah. his main the main thing that he loves about us he loves us he loves us and he loves even i i love that he is looking for adam and eve when they're naked and ashamed um giving loves us in those spaces where we just feel so vulnerable and revealed And I think I wish I'd known that as a 20 year old, because I think I spent a lot of years trying to overcompensate for what I felt was just so broken in me. Like, I just felt like, how could anyone love this? I am so broken. Mm. And so I just overcompensated to a degree that I think was 
harmful to me and probably harmful to others. And I wish I had just, you know, just sat back and let him be attentive to the places where I felt most broken and most ashamed. Um, and I don't know if that's something that just happens in maturity as we grow older. I don't know, but hmm. I wish, I wish I'd known that. And I think if there's anything I want to do in my, you know, I'll be 40 this year. So in this next decade, and I just want, I want the young women in my life and the young men to just know that they're loved by God, um, just as they are without having to be something or jump through mm-hmm. hoops or get on a, you know, they aren't validated as lovely because someone else on earth loves them. Uh, mm-hmm. I love in the Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones says about Adam and Eve, they were lovely because God loved them. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes us lovely is that God loves us. Mm-hmm. That is so good. I love the Jesus Storybook Bible, by the way. Me too. Yeah. I read it all the time. Just just mm-hmm. me and my 25-year-old self uh, before bed. <laughs> um, and going off of that, what are some things, um, just resources or anything that you are reading, listening to, or watching these days that you're enjoying? Yeah. So I think um, I really, I'm kind of on a... Um, a World War II novel kick right now. Yeah. So just reading world. I always read fiction right before bed and not like deep fiction, pretty like lighter, lighter, lighter. Yeah. Fiction. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I really enjoyed some, some of those novels listening to you. I actually, um, I historically haven't really loved, I, I kind of get over stimulated by a lot of noise. So I don't typically listen to a lot of music, but I've been listening to a couple podcasts recently that have been really good. Um, I really love the place we find ourselves with Adam Young and I've, uh, Sarah May is doing a podcast right now called The Complicated Heart on hmm. Sex and Trauma. And it's really good, really good. Hmm. So I really enjoy been enjoying that and watching these days gosh um (laughs) we I think we're really into like cozy British mysteries (laughs) so like (laughs) Vera and Endeavor and things like that we just really like BBC mysteries that's awesome (laughs) love mysteries uh and then lastly what is refreshing you these days anything that's just giving you life yeah I think I think one of the things that's really giving me life these days, I've, I've always been like kind of a, a, a listener in a lot of relationships in my life. Uh, I can tend to be the quieter one in a lot of relationships in the Lord. And I really hate the phone. Um, or I have historically mm-hmm. really hated talking on the phone. And I think mm-hmm. the Lord is just like, uh, I don't know, turned a corner in my life. And it really is refreshing me to have some really good faithful friends in my life who ask me really good questions and um, dig in deep. And it just really refreshes me to be asked questions. And Mm. um, so that's been really encouraging. Also my puppy. I love my dog. What kind of dog do you have? She's a soft coated wheat interior. So she's very uh, fluffy, Um, but she's really wonderful. So cute. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Lori. I am so thankful for for your story and just, um, just you speaking out on this topic. 
that can be uncomfortable at times, but you did such a great job of just um, making it relatable and making it um, to where we can kind of just open our eyes to uh, maybe some ways that we've been hesitant towards touch or um, maybe putting boundaries around it. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lori today. It's eye-opening to hear her discoveries on the ways Jesus redeems touch in the gospel. And I pray that Lori's words will be redeeming and encouraging to you as you reflect on the role of touch in your own lives. Be sure to grab a copy of Lori's new book, Handle with Care. It was such a good read for me. And please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm thinking and praying for you guys often. Stay fresh, my people.